0: this this, uh, gospel reading from the seventh chapter of of Matthew, which is the third of the chapters that we have given the name through history uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's important to remember when we're hearing the Lord's teaching that we're not to take his teaching out of context. And that, that sometimes is very easy for us to do. I would suggest to you that in my life's experience, This is one of the verses that is very widely known, even among unbelievers. My experience is that almost everybody in this country that we live in knows, uh, has this ready at hand if they need it, where you're not supposed to judge. Can I get a witness, some head head bobbing? And you know what my experience is? My experience is Christians are often completely undone, When non-Christians say it to them. In in other words, it's been my experience. I almost never have had a Christian say to me, well, you shouldn't be judging. It's almost always somebody that's not a believer. It's a very funny thing to me that that's so, but I think it is so. And I think it's so because unbelievers know that it's a great way to shut up a Christian. And it has nothing to do with whether or not they themselves care a hoot about God's will. It usually has to do with their feeling some kind of pressure or some kind of guilt or some kind of something, and they, and they bring that out. It's like a, a very available sword or dagger. And and because Christians are men and women who know they're sinners, who know they're not perfect, who know they're they, they have much to for God to still do, no matter how long they've been following the Lord, it frequently causes Christians to kind of curl up. And over time, what that has done, in my experience, is it's made most of the Christians of this land in which we live quiet. It's made most of us who know better to not say anything when somebody's going in a direction that's wrong. When something's going on that shouldn't be happening. When something is not right. And the outcome, as I've often said to us, the outcome of that behavior on our part is that the church has gotten weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And so our influence on the culture has gotten less and less and less and less. And so we are where we are today. We, we are in a place where governing authorities are governing in a way that's contrary to the word of God. We've gotten ourselves into a place where even sometimes in the very household of God, we have people acting or speaking or behaving in ways that are contrary to the truth as it's been given to us in Jesus. And they're inside the household. Sometimes they're in responsible positions of authority and responsibility. And they're not operating from the truth of the gospel they're not operating on the basis of the truth of the word of God so and yet for us who love the Lord and have been called according to his purposes we hear the Lord's word read we hear the holy scriptures read Sunday by Sunday because we know by God's teaching that his way is truth that his ways are right, that his ways are good, that his ways are holy, and that we who are his people are not to walk in false ways, in erroneous ways. We're not to live in ways that are contrary to what God has revealed. And in order for that to be true, we have to constantly be making decisions about things that can be called judging. Now. In the scripture the word that Jesus uses here or the Greek word that is in the Greek New Testament is is described in English judge do not judge lest you be judged but immediately Jesus says remember and it's really important to see this in context because what he next says do you not know that with the judgment you judge you will be judged okay so what that is trying to communicate to us is not, don't know the difference between right and wrong. Don't, know the, don't, don't try to understand the difference between good and evil. Don't try to understand what I want you to do and what I don't want you to do. He's not saying that. He's saying there is an attitude that we could bring to judging others that is going to come back on us hard. Because the judgment that we will stand before is the judgment of God. So if we are not applying God's standards to our judgments, we're gonna be in trouble (laughs) on that great day. So Jesus is not saying uh, that there's not a right judgment. He's describing a wrong judgment and it's really important for us to grasp this. The very same word is used over and over in the New Testament many, many times. And there are 21 different ways it's translated in English for the same word. The same word. Now, if that shocks you, just bear with me here and think about this for a minute. If you decide to go to the Fresh Market or Publix or Lowe's or Food Lion, what have you done? You've made a decision. You've made a distinction. You've made a, 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 some kind of a judgment. for whatever reason. It might be it might be crazy. like they haven't shrunk your loaf of bread yet. I've teased about how Publix has made my favorite loaf. They shrank it. And, and I fussed at. It. I, I fussed about it every time I went in. I went to the bakery section and I fussed and it didn't do any good. But you could stop going somewhere because they're not carrying your favorite whatever. This one has it that you're making a judgment. You're making a distinction. You're you're distinguishing between things. And this same word is used that way a lot. When you choose the right and not the wrong, you're making a judgment about the right and not the wrong. You're discerning a way that is the correct way from one that is not. So it's really important for us to understand here that this is not, this is not Jesus telling us to be, I I don't want to say a a word that will upset, but not to be foolish. This is not about judgment in the way that normally day in, day out, and in our lives we live it. Um, And we're we're not being told that that. And here's, here's, here's a clear example why. Um, years ago, I read a book by a, a woman named Joy Davidman. Joy Davidman was a Jewish woman who came to Christ and wrote a wonderful book about the Ten Commandments uh, called Smoke on the Mountain. Smoke on the Mountain. And one of the things that she said, she married C.S. Lewis uh, late in life. Um, so she was the wife of a very famous English Christian and writer. But one of the things that she said that's always stuck with me ever since I heard it, I heard it through her writing, not because I heard her literally, is that she, she said, you Christians don't understand Jewish humor. There's a lot of humor in the scriptures, and there's humor in this today, this judge not passage. Jesus says, if you've got a log in your own eye, And he expects us to laugh at that. Nobody has a log in their own eye, right? He uses hyperbole. He uses something that everybody knows. Well, that's ridiculous, right? But he uses it to immediately teach critical truth. If your brother has a speck in his eye, he needs help, right? Any of us that have ever gotten a splinter in our eye know that we need help. Sometimes it can mean we need to get to a doctor uh, who's really so skilled. It can be that tragic or that uh, risky. But when you have that happen, you need someone who lovingly, tenderly helps you get that out of your eye. Can anybody besides me remember that happening when you were a little kid? And as you had to surrender and trust your mother or your father or someone else to help you get something out. Because once you have a speck in your eye, you can't, you've got to stop. Everything stops, right, for a speck in the eye. So what I'm trying to help you see, forgive me, (coughs) is that Jesus is actually wanting us to help one another. When, When something's going wrong in the life of a brother or a sister in Christ, It's my duty, it's my calling, it's a loving act to want to help that be put right. But if I'm not myself wanting to be put right, if I'm myself not willing to be held accountable to the truth of the gospel, if I'm myself unwilling for you to help me when I have something in my eye, how dare I help you? Or criticize you or judge you. That's what Jesus is saying. But look the outcome of the reading is then you help your brother, then you help your sister. So it's really important for us to recognize some things here because I I find it one of the most interesting things about the life that God has called me to. And that is how many Gazillions of words I have spoken for the Lord, trying to communicate the truths of the gospel. And how frequently people listen and nothing changes. one of those things that God lays on a priest, I guess. A couple couple over here, a couple of kids might know how that works in their own dad's life. And, and, And yet, Jesus is wanting us to want to be corrected by the Word of God. He's wanting us to learn from the Word of God. He's wanting to teach us the difference between the way that leads to life and ways that lead to death. And he's wanting us to help one another. And if the church becomes so full of individual people who have no connection, no real lived connection with other people in the church, except to smile and be polite on Sunday, we want to be kind and civilized on Sunday. But if we have no other connection to no other place in our life where it would be possible for someone to help us, if we're going astray, if we're not seeing correctly, if we're misinterpreting, if we're misapplying or not applying the truth of the, of the Word of God, we need help. We need help because we're a family. We, we belong to one another. Remember the Sermon on the Mount is not for people that don't believe. The Sermon on the Mount is for people that have said, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to learn from this Jesus. I I think this Jesus has something I I need to know and as we begin to follow we begin to learn more and more what we need to know and at some point we truly, utterly and completely surrender that he knows best and we don't, that his way is right and ours isn't. And that brings us into the community of the true church, the true church are people that have that heart, that have that disposition. I want God's will done in my life. And if I have a log in my eye, I need help to see to that before I get interested in the speck that's in your eye. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. And and so by getting all isolated from one another and, and gradually becoming just used to being silent about our faith and used to not wanting to be an embarrassment to others and used to not wanting to cause any difficulty in our marriage or in our family or in our place of work or in our community of the church or in the community, the governmental community that we live in. We, we go silent and guess what? People that don't want the right way take over. Every time. Think with me for a moment about the person who you're talking to, for example, and they go, tush, tush, you know, you're not supposed to judge. They're judging. They're judging. The person who tells you not to judge is judging you. Do you see that? It's a very important thing to, grow, to grasp. Human beings cannot live their lives without making judgments, discernments, distinctions. When I was growing up, and many of you in this room were growing up, to be a discriminating person was commendable. It was commendable. It wasn't racist. It meant you discriminated rightly between the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, the true and the false, the accurate and the inaccurate. Seeing one of the dear friends I have in the congregation pondering with his fist on his chin back in there, it reminds me of the tragic day, the challenger, Exploded. Everybody remember that tragic, tragic day, right? And how after countless hours and countless amounts of money and struggle and study, it was discerned that one small part of that Challenger rocket was defective. Those O-rings. Remember that? The O-ring? Somebody didn't discriminate properly. Somebody didn't judge properly. That that O-ring needed to be replaced or different. And that judgment led to that disaster. That failure of judgment. You see what I'm saying? We can't live without judging. But Jesus is telling us, you're going to be judged by the truth of God's word. You're going to be judged by the character of God. Remember how the Sermon on the Mount begins with what we call the Beatitudes, which is just an English form of the word blessed. How Jesus recited as he started his teaching, his first teaching to those that said, I want to follow, which we would say the first people that were wanting to be in the church, were wanting to join the community. The first things he said were these kinds of behavior mean that you're blessed. And one of them is that you are merciful. If you are merciful, you receive mercy. Now, Jesus is not criticizing merciful judging. True judging. What he's trying to help us to see is there's a nasty streak in us. (laughs) There's a nasty streak in us that just sort of in our flesh, in our fallenness, just loves to take up a position of superiority over that skunk or that rascal or that man, or that this, or that, that. And th- there can be a kind of nasty judgment that comes so quick to us in our brokenness, in our fallenness. And he's saying, you know, when you're judging like that, you're in big trouble. Because you don't want that kind of judgment coming back on you. A little later in this chapter, he's going to talk about what we call the, the, um, um, well, I forget what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> but do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? So, do you want to be judged the way you just judged that person? Well, I don't. So, that's what Jesus is at, but he wants us to understand there is a real difference between not doing right, not knowing right, not wanting right done in the community of the household of God. And that's what we have to face into, beloved, in the season we're in. Because we're living at the end of a long time in which Christians in this country, Christians in this town have kept their faith in secret and little by little by little by little behaviors, attitudes, decisions, ways of doing things even in the churches have gotten out of whack they're out of order they're out of god's will they're not consistent with what he has revealed and that means they have to be put right they have to be put right and when you have a speck in your eye it's not fun it hurts sometimes it doesn't even when the speck's out you still hurt for some time right so when when judgment from god comes judgment from god is never easy it's never welcomed It's usually most resisted by the people that say they love God. The most resistant to what needs to happen in the church today are the leaders of the church today. As a class, as a group. Because the leaders of the church want to keep things going the way things have always gone. Keep everybody happy, keep things peaceful. Don't disturb anybody, don't upset anybody, don't lose your job. And and yet we're alive, it's my conviction, my deep conviction, we're alive when the Lord is saying, there's judgment falling on the household of God. It has to come first to us. Nothing is going to change outside the church if the church doesn't change. Anything you think is going wrong with our country or our town or our community or wherever you think there's something wrong, if you want to see it put right, you've got to be put right. I've got to be put right. And there may be a cost. There almost certainly will be a cost. By the mercy of God, I pray that in our lifetime, no one will give their life. But we might be made fun of. We might might be... They're going to try to shame us. It's already happening, right? How can you possibly believe that? (laughs) Well, Jesus said it. That's why I believe it. Um, Well, did he really? Of course, you know who first said, did he really say that? In the garden. Oh, did God really say that? I mean, really, you know, come on. He just doesn't want you to know something fun. All right, I'm getting carried away. I got to stop. There's a good and right and true way that we are to help one another to walk in the truth. And we can't know the truth if we don't want to hear what God has said, learn to understand what it means, believe that it's true, and live lives in relationship with others who share those convictions. We have to be willing to be helped to correct how we're going. We have to. If there's one way that you can stop this man in his tracks, you tell him that you think He's doing something contrary to God's will. Or he's doing something contrary to the teaching of Jesus. Or he's doing something contrary to the teaching of the scriptures. And this man will stop. Because my duty is to walk in that truth. And my duty is to communicate that to the best of my ability. To those of you that are part of this community. And so we need to learn the word of God, that we would judge rightly and not wrongly. And that we would help one another in love, brothers and sisters, to be on the right path and to put right in our day, to the best of our ability, anything that God begins to show us has gone amiss. And if God shows us, it's going to come from the scriptures. And we're going to be able to agree about it. But it may take some work on logs. In some of our eyes. And it may take work on some specs. But that's where we want to be. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to come to that place. Where his will is our delight. And we're in it together. We're in it together. Let's bow our heads. Father. This is a true, true, true subject. And I don't know if I've communicated it well. But I pray that you would help us. To have a right judgment in all things. That you would remove from our hearts and from our behavior. Harsh and wrong judgments. But that you would not leave us without guidance. That you would not allow us to remain in the dark or in ignorance. And that you would teach us to be a church. That helps one another to walk in the truth. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.